Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com slash give. Um, I want to talk about something um, this morning, and I'm going to call it navigating the gap. Navigating the gap. And let me just explain something first. I think most of us know what navigating means. Um, charting a course, having a direction, practical steps, all those types of things. But when you talk about the gap, is as Christians, and I'm going to go out on a limb and make an assumption, that as Christians, we love God and we want God, his plan for our life. Can we all agree on that? where we all say, God, I want your plan for my life. And then maybe we feel led in a particular area or we've got a gift in an area. Maybe the Lord has inspired a dream um, or, or stirred something on the inside of you to do something. And so, um, you know, the word vision means preferred expectation. And so you've got this on the inside of you. It's like, God, I, I, I believe you called me to do and you fill in the blank. And sometimes gaps are seasons in our life where we're maybe stepping into a new season. And in that season, we're going to step into something new. Sometimes gaps are life or or it's a life calling or a direction in and over our life. And what, what gaps are when you think about them is they're the time between when you know and when you actually step in to whatever that, that particular thing is. That is the gap. And when I, when I talk about a desire or a dream or something, I realize that when I stand up here, um, maybe you're here and uh, you're one of the 5% that somebody came up to you and maybe gave you a word and said, I feel like the Lord has called you to do X, Y, Z. And it bore witness with your heart. And you knew it when they said, it. it's like, oh my gosh, this is totally God. Or maybe God, you know, spoke to you really, really clearly. But the vast majority, and I'm talking 95% of us plus, God didn't speak to us that way. And the way that he leads us is he's very personal and he leads us in ways that mesh with our personality and it grows a greater level of peace and a greater level of trust in him within our lives. And what happens is it always lines up with his word, but he's leading us and he does it in a way like I step back right now as I'm standing up here and uh, Micah and Grace have been here for um, over two years, about two and a half years. They planted the church uh, a year ago in October. But in case you didn't know this, is that... uh, Prior to that, I was a lead, I was a lead pastor of a church, and it had always been planned that um, Micah felt stirred to be a pastor. He was going to be the pastor. We had all planned that that was the way that it was going to go, and everything was was going to go that way. And then. Um, 
probably about three years ago, uh, about four years ago, we decided that we were going to take like a six week sabbatical and we were going to let Micah lead and kind of the home team just lead it. And, and we'd only come back one time. And so we took off. And when we came back, Micah said, dad, I, I just need to talk with you. And so I said, okay, well, let's get together. And he said, I don't know what happened. He said, I don't know what the deal is, but I can't shake this. He said, I took a trip to Phoenix. That was just a couple, three days and something inside of me went off. He said, I I can't explain it. I never desired Phoenix before. I never had a plan for Phoenix, but something in me went off like, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing? And I said to him at that point, I said, you know, maybe what you need to do is you need to take a couple more trips to Phoenix and you just need to commit to pray. You just need to commit to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what are you saying? Well, out of that, the Lord began to reveal that, you know what? I've not called you to be the pastor here. I've called you to plant a church in Phoenix. But there was a gap between that and actually starting it. And it was different than we thought. And what gaps are is that we have a desire. We think we know the way that it's going to go. We might even think the way that we think time is going to lay it out, but it doesn't go that way. And we're sitting there and we're saying, God, what are you doing? Did I even hear you accurately? Because God is not going the way that I think. I just want to encourage you with this. You probably heard God accurately but gaps in your life is when we stop and we realize is there's a difference between the timing that we thought, maybe the way we thought that that dream or that vision or that aspiration or that calling, I thought it was going to go this way, but it's not gone that way. The gap is those times in our life, knowing how to navigate our life, because this is what I know, that when we're in a gap, if we don't watch it, we're in a very crucial spot and we can make mistakes and screw up the next season of our life. How many of you are with me on that? And so, you know, just a scripture, they're not going to, it's not going to go up there is um, because I, I sent my notes over and then I, I always just pray all the way through and felt like the Lord inspired the scripture. So, Proverbs 20, 24 says this. It says, a person's steps are ordered and ordained by the Lord. How then can a person fully understand their way? So just stop and say, God, you got me. You're leading me. There's going to be times I don't understand. There's going to be times it doesn't go the way I thought. But I'm going to be good with that. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, And you've said, Lord, I give you my heart. I'm all in. I'm going to heaven. I believe that just as God created you, Jesus gave his life to restore us to an everyday relationship with God. So God is going to give you dreams. He's going to, and when I say dream, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about could be just an aspiration on the inside for your life. God is going to inspire something inside of you. And it might not be somebody giving you a word. It might not be this audible experience 
experience, but God is going to lead you into that thing and you're going to have a greater level of peace. You're going to have a greater level of trust. And let me just throw this out. Realize this, that the peace of God and that the joy of God are just as much the voice of God as an audible speaking of God into your life. It's his fingerprint saying, I've got you. I want you to just trust me and I want you to step out. And you know, I think God has a plan for every one of us. You remember uh, the Lord's prayer when the disciples said, Jesus teaches to pray. And, and he, and he began a portion of that is he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has a plan just as much as you going to heaven with with your life as he does down on earth. He's got a plan for each and every one of our life. And I want to talk about leading and navigating my life in the gap. There's a gap in that I feel like this, but I'm a little scared. There's a gap in, I thought it was going to go this way, but it hasn't gone that way. There's a gap in, I thought it was going to be with that person, but it's not that person. There's a gap in, well, I thought I was gifted. Well, I thought this, well, I thought that maybe you're sitting here today and you're frustrated and you're saying, God, what is the deal? What is going on? I want it. My goal today is to make a deposit on to the inside of you to give you some very practical tools to navigate your steps so that you will stay right in the middle of what God's got for your life. Are you with me? And I've noticed, I think that, that in gaps, and I can look in my own life, is in gaps, it's usually where God develops us the most, but also where we struggle the most. We struggle because there's, it's, it's not going, it's not feeling, and we struggle, but it's where God develops us the most. The gap is by design. It's where God grows and he increases our capacity to handle the dream that he's placed in our heart in a healthy way. He grows our capacity. He increases our, he increases and grows us so that we can handle it. You know that when Micah, and I said three or four during the first service, but my wife reminded me it was when he was two. When Michael was two, we were half of his life, he was raised in San Diego. And we lived, uh, we lived on the street and he was two and across the street, there was a neighbor that um, rode an 1100 Ninja. How many of you know what 1100 Ninja is? I call them crotch rockets. How many of you know what I'm saying? It is a crotch rocket. And Micah was infatuated with that crotch rocket. At two years old, whenever he heard it, he would run in, climb up on the couch, stick his head up to the window, hold on, and they would, and the, the bike would pull up and stop. And the guy would always, before he shut it off, he'd go, he'd rev the motor and then he would shut it off. Micah would sit on the back of the couch and he would go, and we'd be like, it was, it was kind of comical. Well, one day I made the mistake and I forgot to close the gate on our driveway. And little did I know, that, and it was a fairly busy street in front of our house. As I was gone, Micah got out the door, went through the gate, crossed the street, 
at two and climbed up on the 1100 ninja and was sitting on it. And his mother is running through the house saying, Micah, where are you? Micah, she's looking everywhere. And she looks out the window and sees him sitting on the motorcycle across the street. And when she went over there, he was on it and he was being the motor. And he was acting like he was riding it. If I could put that in a comparison, it was an aspiration of his. It was a dream of his. He's always liked motorcycles, but it was something that was in his heart. In his, and when you think about it, is that was something that he wanted in his life. As a good parent, would it be responsible for me to when he's two years old, run out and buy him an 1100 Ninja and set it in the driveway and say, here you go. You can answer me. Would that be responsible? No, what would be responsible would for me to be like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to start you on a trike and you're going to learn to pedal that thing without running into people. How many of you are with me? You're going to, what you're going to learn to do. And then once you master that, we're going to put you to a bicycle with training wheels. And when you get those down where you can handle it without running into a mailbox, we'll take the training wheels off and you will progress and you will get a two-wheeler. And if we keep progressing, eventually you'll make it to the ninja. See, the dream, the aspiration, and the goal is the ninja, but God is a good father. And he looks at us and he says, I need to grow you in order to handle that. And you're going to have a gap. There's going to be times in your life you don't understand. There's going to be times that you really think you should be there. There's going to be times that it's taking longer than you thought. But what I need you to do is trust me. I need you to trust that I've, that I've got you. See, as a good parent, that is the way that God is, just as we are. He loves us and he knows us. And if we don't understand the gaps purposes for our life, we're going to get frustrated. We're just going to get frustrated. We're going to be frustrated in life. We get what I call destination disease. And destination disease is I'm not going to be happy until I get there. And God says to us, if you can't be happy where you're at, you're never going to be happy when you get there. I want to teach you how to be happy right where you're at. I want to teach you how to be just upbeat right where you're at. In the gap, what they do is they grow our dependence upon God. Gaps surface weaknesses and propensities that we must grow through in order for that dream or that aspiration to come into reality where we don't self-destruct. We've all seen people that step into a dream or an aspiration or something way too early. Their character isn't developed to a spot where they can handle it and they self-destruct. And it's not, it wasn't good for them. You know, when you think about it, is the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, if you actually marked out how long it should have taken them walking to get from getting out of Egypt into the promised land of, of Canaan, the land of Canaan, where they were going, it should have taken them 40 days. 
That's how long, if they would have taken their Sabbath, they would have walked, and they, it would have taken them 40 days. Do you know how long it took them? 40 years. But the reason was, is because they refused to grow in the gap. They refused, and they just needed to get there. And God is a God who wants to grow us in the gaps. He gives us gifts, maybe to do something. Maybe you're here, and you have a gift. God's graced your life. But what he wants to do now is to develop the character that determines the health and the longevity of that dream within your life. So he's going to lead you. He's going to navigate you. You know, when you think about it and you just study anybody that you admire or I admire in the Bible is every one of them had gaps, both in their understanding of the way that it was going to happen and the timing of the way that it was going to happen. If you study Peter's life and the disciples, the 12, they all had gaps. If you study the apostle Paul, you find out he had gaps. Do you know that Paul got saved, knew what he was called to do, and then he, everybody was afraid of him, and he went to his hometown of Tarsus for 12 years to teach a small Bible study until 12 years later, Barnabas went and found him, tucked him under his wing, and we know him now as the great apostle Paul, but he had a 12-year gap in there. If you study David, David had gaps. Moses had gaps. Abraham had gaps. Joseph had gaps. Gaps are part of God's development plan for our life. And what I want to do is I want to, if you brought your Bible, turn with me to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. And we're going to drill down. And this whole, 1 Kings 19 is about Elijah picking Elisha. And the backdrop is, is if you study 1 Kings 18 and prior, is that 1 Kings 18 is when the prophet Elijah makes the challenge to the 850 prophets of Baal and the entire Israelite nation who they're going to serve. He said, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve the God of Baal? And the Bible says that the Israelites stood and they wouldn't make a commitment either way. And so Elijah steps up and says, I'm going to, he challenges the 850 false prophets of Baal. And he basically says, who, whoever's God answers by fire, he is the true God. And if you read the story, you find out that basically the prophets of Baal, we're not going to spend much time on it, but they couldn't, they couldn't make it. Elijah steps up, calls down fire from heaven. It comes down, consumes the sacrifice, and then the entire nation repents, turns to God, and he tells them, catch all these prophets of Baal. They, he literally kills 850 prophets of Baal. And immediately afterwards, Jezebel, who's King Ahab's wife, finds out about it, makes a threat against Elijah's life, and Elijah, Elijah responds in fear. Up until this point, Elijah is the man. But Elijah is not in a good spot. 
He is not in a good spot. And so he, he, he basically responds in fear. He flees. He begins to make all kinds of mistakes. And then right at the beginning of the 19th chapter, God begins telling Elijah that he's getting ready to transition him. And that what he, he begins to give him kind of marching orders. And then the last of it is you're going to anoint Elisha to be the prophet in your stead, and he is going to replace you. And he's directing him in next steps. And I want to pick it up in verse 15 of 19th chapter. It says, the Lord said to him, this is Elijah, go return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be the king over Aram or Syria. Verse 16. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mahola. If you write in your Bibles, underline Abel-Mahola, because we're going to come back to that. That is where Elisha is at. It's where he's from. As the prophet in your place. So Elijah... Verse 19, so Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. He was with the 12. I read that. I mean, 24. Is that a lot of cows? 24 oxen in front of him. We're going to see something. Elijah went over to him and threw his mantle or his coat on him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye. Then I will follow you. And he said to him, go on back for what have I done to stop you? So Elijah left him and went back. Then he took a pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their meat with the implements of the oxen as fuel and gave the meat to the people and they ate. Then he stood and followed Elijah and served him. What I want you to notice, and I alluded to this just a second ago, it says while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, he was with the 12th. Do you know that, has anybody ever seen anybody plowing with oxen? I mean, just even on a movie or anything, you know what I'm saying? You've seen a picture. The, the way that I don't, I have never seen anybody plow with more than four, but the way that it works is this, is that you plow with two oxen, unless the ground is hard. Then you put two more on it, to be able to break the hard ground. If the ground is even harder, you put two more. And it says here that he had 12 pairs of oxen. How hard do you think that ground was? 12 pairs of oxen. I mean, if you look at this, and this is number one, this is the guy that has been in the gap for a while, But number one is this, is when it's harder than I thought, will I stay all in where I'm at? Elisha wouldn't quit. He wouldn't stop. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be super honest with you. 
If I'm plowing with four oxen and I go to six, I'm going to be like, maybe this isn't the Lord. How many of you are with me on that? Maybe I need to just, then he went to eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24 oxen. He's plowing. And he just won't quit. He just won't stop. Look at what it says. It says, when he, when he, how many of you, when it's really hot and it's really hard and it's really difficult, let's just have an honest moment here. Struggle with a little bit of an attitude. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's hot. It's hard. It's difficult. It's dirty. This is not what I planned. What I want you to notice about Elisha was this. Is Elisha's love, trust, and belief in the goodness of God didn't change based on the hardness of the field he was in. See, sometimes in our life, is we think we're moving, we're doing, and God is saying, I need you to trust me. And we're saying, but God, this is harder. This is more difficult. I didn't think it was gonna be like this. I didn't think it was gonna take this long. And God is saying, I need you to love me, to trust me, and believe in my goodness that it's not, that I am not changing. Even when it's difficult, God is faithful. I'm going to say that again. You missed a really good opportunity to say, uh-huh. I say, even when it's difficult, God is faithful. Three of us. Even when it's difficult, God is faithful. And I know this isn't popular in America. This is really hard on us because of our comfort-based society. It's really hard. If you look, I mean, think about it for a moment. Elijah, if you read the full chapter before this, what you find out is he is, it got hard on him and he's complaining and he's saying, God, I'm the only one. And he's, he doesn't agree and he's kind of a victim mentality and he wants to quit. And then he comes on this guy who's behind 24 cows and he just won't quit. This guy just won't quit. We all have emotions. I get it. I feel just like you do. It is not a sin to feel like quitting on the dream, the vision, or the aspiration that God has put in you. It's only a sin when you quit on it. See, we, can, we have to stop and say, it's hard. I don't get it. It's difficult. But realize this. Navigating and following God when it's difficult, it will always surface these time, these gap times in our life. And I love emotion, but it's important that we remember that God never intended our emotions to be the driver of our life, but to be passengers in our car. And that when they're a passenger, it's like, okay, God, I realize it. See, God's best for our life, it isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. You say, why does God do this? He wants to work the quit out of us. When he works the quit out of us and we come to the end of ourself, what happens is, is we realize that when we step in, it was totally God. 
It was, it was 100% God. I want you to think about this for a moment, and I'm going to set up my second point, number two. is um, So a team of oxen is two, or a yoke of oxen is two. He's plowing with 12 teams or 24. Now, this is the way that my brain thinks. So I Googled, how long is an oxen? They said seven feet. You can Google it now. Seven feet, that's how long an oxen is. Now, if you stop and you think about this, um, so if it's seven feet and then the hardware and the apparatus, whatever they call it, that connects the oxen to the next one, there has to be a gap between them because when the oxen are walking, you know what I'm saying? There's got to be some space in between them. Let's just pick a round number and say there's three feet between them. So if you got seven plus three is 10 and there's 12 yoke, that's 120 feet of oxen in front of you. From here to that back wall is somewhere around 90 feet. So it's longer than that. And Elisha is behind them and they are going through incredibly difficult dirt. And I want to just ask you a question and I need you to answer me on this. Okay, what do oxen do? They eat, they plow, they sleep, and what else do they do? Poop. Could you imagine being behind 24 oxen 10 hours a day? If each oxen just pooped twice, That is 48 times he is dealing with oxen poop getting kicked up in his face. Dirt and stuff kicked up in his face. You say, why did you do that? Okay, this is my second point. (laughs) I must learn to get over and to see past the poop and the dirt and stay focused on the right things. Sometimes we have a dream, we have an aspiration in our life, but we focus on the wrong things. We focus, somebody says something to us, somebody says something about us, we're driving down the highway and somebody lets us know we're number one. How many of you know what I'm saying? And it takes us the rest of the day to get over we're number one. And we're talking about that person that let us know we're number one. We go through the grocery store and God forbid someone runs into our car with their shopping cart or somebody cuts in front of us and does us wrong. You say, what is that? That is poop. Let it go. Are you with me? Where we begin to look and say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm not going to focus on every little thing. Just as you have to deal with poop, with plowing of 12 yoke of 12 yoke of oxen, you and I are going to have to deal with the poop and get over stuff as we're pursuing God. That is just the byproduct of pursuing God. 
God. Elijah had an understanding that dealing with poop comes with the territory of living in God's best for my life. It sometimes, it you know, when you think about it, is this, going through poop is part of it. Sometimes dealing with people that just do us wrong. What is it? It's just poop. It's just dirt. Sometimes it's unplanned things. I didn't plan on that. God, I don't know where that came from. God says, it's just part of it. Let it go. Sometimes in our life, we've got an unanticipated setback. Sometimes in our life, when things don't go how we thought, and we're tempted to just let it stick and let it hold on to us, there's one thing worse than getting hit with poop. It's poop sticking to us and staying on us for the rest of the month. How many of you know what I'm saying? Just shaking off, just say, you know, oh, you know, God, what is going on back here? God's like, the ground's hard. I know it's difficult. I'm working the quit out of you. And what I'm working on the inside of you is your ability to focus on my goodness, to focus on what I've called you to do, to focus on growing and get focus on the right things. Don't let every time somebody does you wrong, don't let every time you go through something stick with you for a day, for a week, for a month, because what happens is it's slowing you down. Let it go. Are you with me? Should I get over poop? You know, my wife coaches me from the front row. She always has. You know what poop does that's, that sticks too long? It does more than stink. It tries to get us to question God. God, how could... God tries to get us to question him. And God is saying, you're going to need to let it go. Verse 16, it says, remember where... I said, underline that, Abel Mahola, verse 16. He was from the town of Abel Mahola. If you look up Abel Mahola in the Hebrew, what it means is the field of rejoicing or the field of dancing. Think about this for a moment. Elisha has got a good attitude doing what he's doing en route to doing what he's dreamed about doing. Can I, I mean, I'm just going to have a, just a super honest moment right now. I would struggle rejoicing behind 24 cows doing their thing. But it says about Elisha that he was, he could sing and dance. I want to just ask you a question right now in your life, and this is number three, is how's my attitude in what I'm currently doing right now? How is it? Because number three is this. With God, my attitude is is directly connected to my latitude. With God is. He looks at my attitude where I'm at. Say, well, I'm just... 
flipping whopper flipper and I'm not called to be a flipping whopper flipper and I hate being a flipping whopper flipper and I'm going to show up to be a flipping whopper flipper at the last minute and be the first flipping whopping flipper to take a break when I can get a break and to call in sick and all of that and you know what they better not ask me to do anything else God's like yo God's like yo you're in a gap right now And you don't see the connection. But there's a connection to where I've called you. Can you be in the field of rejoicing when you're doing something that makes no sense to what you're called to do, but God has placed you there because he wants to work a right spirit and a right heart right where you're at? Can I do it? This guy had a good attitude plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. It didn't matter the dirt, didn't matter the dust, didn't matter the poop. He was still able to sing and, and dance. And I said this earlier, but I'm gonna say it again. We as Christians must avoid destination disease. We've got, I'll be happy when I get there. Man, God wants you to be happy right where you're at. He wants to teach you how to be full and happy and upbeat, even when it's hard and even when it's difficult and even when you don't understand. God is saying, I got to get you to make that shift. It says about, it says about Elisha. It says, then he stood and followed Elijah and he served him. Look at that word, served him. The King James says it like this. He became his servant. If you look up that word servant in the Hebrew, it means to serve in menial tasks. That's what it is. It means to serve in menial tasks. I want you to think about Elisha. And we're talking about practicals to navigating our life when we're in the gap. Excuse me. Is Elisha knew how to be a servant in a menial task right where he was at, right where he was a servant. And this is number four. He was a servant to Elijah. How am I at menial tasks that I think have nothing to do with what I'm called to do? This doesn't relate to anything I'm called to do. This doesn't relate to my dream. This doesn't relate to my aspiration. I don't even see why I'm doing it. Can I be a servant of the Lord in that place? Can I stop and just say, God, I'm I'm gonna serve you in a menial task. See, this is the one thing that God called him to do at this point in his life was to be a servant. How am I at being a servant? Humility is what keeps me connected to the favor, to the power, and to the sensitivity of the Lord in my life. I can be a servant anywhere, doing anything. God, I can just, I'm gonna have a servant's heart because Lord, you say, well, what if my, whatever I'm doing, I don't see how it's connected, be a servant. What if the person I'm serving is a jerk? be a servant. What if wherever I'm at and whatever I'm going, I believe that it's wrong. I encourage you, be a servant in that place, but seek the Lord right where you're at. Just seek him and say, God, what are you saying in my, in my life? 
And the last one, number five, is this, is avoid the trap of comparison. Whenever we're in a gap in our life, comparison will kill us. It will just, we start, especially in the times of social media. Social media, everybody's posting, oh, this is going on, oh, that. And and I'm just going to, can I just have a super honest moment with you? Most of it's lies on there. People are just saying that they ain't t- they're not telling the whole picture of what's going on, but we see a little tidbit of what's going on and we begin to compare ourselves to other people. And we begin to say, well, gosh, why am I not? They don't even know the Lord. Why am I not there? Why isn't this happening? Do you know that in the time of God calling Elisha, did you know that in that time that there was a group that were under Elijah that was called the sons of the prophets? Some translations say the school of the prophets. And it was somewhere between two and 400 people that they believed they were called to be the next successor of Elijah, that they were the they were going to be the next one that it, when Elijah's time to go, he was going to anoint them and they were going to go in his stead. What I think is amazing is God passed over everyone that thought they were going to be the next person and picked somebody who knew how to handle the gaps in their life. See, God is not, God in our life, you've got to realize is that, that in our life is, you say, well, I'm not the most qualified. No, but you know what? God is the one that qualifies you. The only thing you and I bring to the table is our heart. It's the only thing we bring. If I'll keep my heart right, God will get me every gift I need. And then as I step into it, I'll know that it was him. Don't compare yourself with other people. It's my heart and my relationship with God more than anything else in my life. And it's more than learning and knowing the right things. It's more than being in the room. It's me having a heart that says, God, I'm just going to keep my inside right. And I know this, you're faithful to your word. Can you say amen? I want everyone to stand up. I want you to stand up. I want to ask you right now. Do you know that if you study Elisha, you find that he did double the miracles of Elijah. Double. And Elijah was the biggest baller that had ever been on the earth up until that point. And Elisha did double. He did double. I wonder today, and I know standing in this room, that the vast majority of us today are in a gap. You're in a gap. Maybe you're here and you're going to school and you feel like God's changing your majors. You're in a gap. Maybe you're here today and you're looking and you're saying, well, I thought it was going to go like this with this person, with this career, with this situation. You're in a gap. I believe that right now what the Lord is doing is he's saying, I got you. I need you to trust me. I need you to pay more attention to what's going on on the inside of your life than what's going on on the outside of your life. When we stop and we say, God, I realize, but it doesn't mean that gaps are easy. How many of you know, how many of you squeal a little bit when you get in a gap? You know what I'm saying? I squeal a little bit. I'm like, 
It's like, I'm like, Lord, you know, so you sound like a girl. I'm okay with that. You're here today and you're in a gap right now in your life. I want to pray for you. But what I want you to do is maybe to bow your head and close your eyes. Because I believe today that the Holy Spirit is wanting to not only speak to you, but make a deposit on the inside of you that refreshes your soul, that refreshes, maybe breathes optimism into your sails. You've been in a spot and God is saying, I got you, I got you. And maybe as we just scratch the surface of the practical things that we can glean from Elisha's life. Maybe some of those struck home with you and you just need to, between you and Jesus, you just need to stop and just just talk to him and let him minister to you. Let him water you. If that's you and you say, I know that's me, I'm in a gap. I know it. And I just... I just need to hear God. I need to sense God. And I need to just stay on track. Or maybe figure out what that track is. I want to pray for you right where you're at. Just lift up a hand to heaven. Just lift up a hand. There you go. All over. Just lift it up. Just say, Lord, that's me. God, that's me. Lord, that's us. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, when Jesus was here, he said it was necessary for him to leave and to go away so that you would come. We recognize you as being here, not only in the room, but in our life. And more than anything else, We want to cooperate with you. We invite you. We invite your refreshing. We invite your adjusting. We invite your lifting. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I come against condemnation in people's lives. That it may be made a mistake and the enemy has tried to convince you it's all over. I want to tell you something. It's only just begun. It ain't over. It is not over. God is not counting how many times you've fallen down or gone down. He's counting how many times you will get back up. He's a God of get up, come on. Lord, I lift up every person here and I thank you for it. I thank you for breathing hope and life into them. I thank you for extinguishing every lie of the enemy in Jesus' name. Thank you that you are the God of new beginnings and fresh starts. I thank you that your mercy is new every morning. I thank you that your word says that surely, not maybe, not possibly, but surely, your goodness and your mercy follow us all the days of our life. Today, Lord, we say catch us. Today, Lord, we say yes. We invite you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. 
as the team leads us into worship, this is a holy moment between you and the Lord. He might surface some things and want you to, you know, maybe make an adjustment. He might just water your soul, but between you and him, he's really, really good. <laughs> 